vaccine, non-vaccine. And it's just like, we've all just gone crazy. So, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, please do. Yes. Amen. 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 So good. Praise God. Yes. Hey. Hey, welcome. Hey. Okay, so our cold open question is from is uh, from Adri from South Africa. Oh, Adri from South Africa. Isn't that awesome? It's incredible. Okay, it says, Hi, Pastor Matt. Why do so many Christians celebrate Halloween? Mm. Will it be possible to explain on the debrief podcast why it should not be celebrated? Right. I have many friends who think it's just a fun night to dress up their kids in cute outfits and have candy. What should I say to them? What is your view on this? And what does the Bible say about this? So I love that she said, what's yeah. your view? And what does yeah. the Bible say? So so the Bible says nothing about Halloween. Mm-hmm. So Halloween is not a holiday uh, that was celebrated in the Bible. And so uh, like so many of the issues that we face, we have to use discretion Um in terms of it. And so here's why I'm pro Halloween. Uh, I am not pro dressing up like the devil. Uh, yeah. I'm not pro, um, especially all of our young ladies, you know, the, uh, the one day a year, your Christian parents let you look like a prostitute. Like right. that's like, uh, that, that's not acceptable either. Um, you know, but, but so many of the people are like, you know, you know, I want to protect my kids, you know, from all these things. Well, then don't let them read the Bible because you have witchcraft, you have nudity, you have violence, you know, everything that you have in, the celebration of Halloween you have in the scriptures and God does not protect us from that, but he actually, um, talks about it. And, and, and so what I would say is as a Christian, Halloween is the one opportunity you have to meet your neighbors. Nobody talks to anybody anymore. This is the one opportunity you have to give out candy. Don't dress up like the devil, (laughs) you know, um, you know, don't give out cards. Do you know you're going to hell? Uh, but, but just, just say, look, man, I want to be a good neighbor. I want to meet my neighbors. I want to give them candy. And, and, and if you are not willing to participate in a pagan holiday uh, to reach people for Christ, you're, you're never going to reach people. When Jesus uh, asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? He takes them to the temple of Dan, mm-hmm. which is the, the temple that celebrates the God of Pan. Google the God of Pan. He typically is a pimply-faced man with an erect penis, okay? Wow. Uh, and, and that's where Jesus takes them. And these priests had sex with goats in order to usher in uh, the God of Pan because he's half man, half goat. That's where Jesus took the disciples to ask them, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying you should do that with your kids, but Jesus did that with his disciples. And many of them would have been teenagers. They would Mm -hmm. have been young men. And so we we don't protect our kids from everything in the world, but we help them navigate the world. And so here's what I would say. Uh, Halloween is not an opportunity to sin. You know, make sure that your costume is something that's fun, something that's uplifting. But fantasy is an important part of childhood. And so much of what the world has done is it's stolen children's childhood. And as the church, we should not do that. Mm. So fantasy is an important uh, part of being a kid, playing, pretending. These things are important. And so I just really believe that it's not whether uh, Christians should or should not participate in Halloween. It's how do you participate? Mm. Um, how do you connect? And again, um, I think that as Christians, what we what we celebrate is not the holiday, but the opportunity to connect people. And so, you know, what what is um, Halloween? Satanists, and they're a very they're an extraordinary small group of people. They use it as a day to worship Satan and this and that. 
the vast majority of people use it as a day to celebrate, use, use it as a day to connect with their neighbors. And we need to do that. Um, you know, and so we are to be in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. And so I, I don't think you locking yourselves in and telling your kids not to do that is going to be helpful. I think you should participate in it. I know a lot of Christians disagree. Every parent can make their own decision. Uh, but again, our kids' costumes will not be satanic. They will not be, you know, overly sexual. I mean, I, I, I think we need to protect our children from being sexualized too soon. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things that we need to talk about. But, but meeting your neighbors, collecting candy, you know, that's a fun thing and that's an okay thing. And again, I think this is a question that Christians and churches that harp on this have no desire at all to reach their communities. They care about making moral stands and not reaching people who are immoral, mm -hmm. who are lost. Um, I mean, years ago, I became very famous, not in a good way, um, for a ministry we had called JC's Girls. And we actually had women in our church that went to strip clubs and paid for a lap dance. And they didn't get a lap dance. They said, is there something I can pray for you? They didn't take wow. the woman's time. Yeah. They just said, can I pray for you? We, we had strippers that left the clubs and came to our church. Wow. So um, now I didn't go. Because that's that would have been an issue for me, and my mm -hmm. wife would have killed me. Mm -hmm. But I, I I never went. But um, you know, one of these girls that that left uh, the uh, prostitution industry is is one of my best friends in our church, mm -hmm. and she never would have been reached had we not been willing to do that. Jesus says at the temple of Dan, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. He's not saying we lock gates and we stay in our homes. He's saying we attack the gates yeah. of hell. And so you know what I would say this is a great opportunity. Um, to talk maybe about why you don't drink, you don't get drunk. I mean, dress up as something fun and and and, and use it as an opportunity to talk about why you're different. Yeah. Are you different? Um, now, as a parent, you know, you got to make a decision. Do I want to send my kids to a party where they're going to be elements? Are they strong enough to stand? Will they be tempted? That's something that you have to work out with your children. And you have to do very, very carefully. But walking with your kids down the street is a great thing. Um, you know, one of the things that made me so sad about the last home that Tammy and I lived in was we, we nobody trick-or-treated in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody had two acres. We, we met none of our neighbors. And uh, I think I met one neighbor with a little kid. She's a little cute girl, like four years old. Do you want to buy my Girl Scout cookie, cookies? I'm like, yep, all of them, you know. <laughs> um, and I, I can't even eat cookies. I, mm -hmm. I'm gluten-free. So, but it was an opportunity to meet and connect with my neighbors. And so uh, it's why we have Candy Rush at Sandals. Yeah. It's an opportunity for kids to come and dress up. And if somebody comes as a witch, so what? Mm -hmm. I mean, s some of our people are real witches. And I don't mean like they fly in a broom. I mean, like they're nasty. Right. They're not kind. They're not loving. Um, and so, you know, that's just something for me is is we have to realize that we live in a world where the, where the God of this world is not our Lord. You know, he, he's going to return and take over everything. But, but we live in Halloween every day, mm. every single day. People are driven by the powers of, of the prince of this age. And so we need to figure out ways to interact. And, 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 and for some people, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, you were saved out of witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have a different level of discernment. Uh, it's just like some people can't have a drink. Right. Cannot have my, my father-in-law could not drink mouthwash. Mm. Alcohol wow. was that powerful wow. for him. He could not even use mouthwash. And, and so that's what I would just say. And so that's what I was here. Somebody, well, my friends, you know, came out of Wiccan, came out of witchcraft. They were a wizard. Um, okay. Maybe yeah. it's not for you. Yeah, do that, not. That's, that's not something Absolutely. that you participate in. But like for you, you know, you don't practice witchcraft, right? No. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. No. Um, 
And so it's something where I'm going to go and we actually go to one of the pastor's houses that lives on a street where all the neighbors come by. And my wife and I have gone to his house the last several years. Mm -hmm. We greet all the kids. Uh, you know, some of them come in demonic costumes, witchcraft costumes. Some of them come with severed heads, whatever. It's an opportunity, you know, for, for me to, to meet people and be a good neighbor. The Bible yeah. says, love your neighbor as yourself. So what I think that means is if it's the one day a year that your neighbor's kids are going to come to your door, you need to be ready. Yeah. You need to be ready to love them as you love yourself. And there's no sin in giving a kid a piece of candy. Yeah. That's just my opinion. And I think we should have a good attitude about it. I think we should have our homes open, uh, you know, lightly, um, you know, decorated. It doesn't have to be evil. There's nothing evil about a pumpkin. Correct. Um, you know, uh, you can put a scarecrow in your front yard. I mean, farmers have been putting them in their fields for years, mm -hmm. you know, so uh, they freak me out a little bit. But, you know, have discernment and have wisdom. Um, and I think it's, it's a great opportunity to love your neighbors. That, yeah, that's I my answer. I think like the church, I, I, the reason why I don't like this, this particular, not time of the year, but I just feel like it's another opportunity. I feel like Christians come out and they just like claw at each other yeah. over someone's opinion about what they should or should not be doing with their kids. And yeah. I, I, I love the idea that you said you should have your home open. Right. You should be open and ready. I, you know, I've heard people say it's the devil's day and I'm like, we don't give him a day. Right. He doesn't no. get a day. No. Like this is still the day the Lord has made. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I and that like, verse doesn't say except. Right. Except, yeah. except October 31st. Yeah. Right. Um, I have a friend that was born on October 31st right. and sometimes she feels like people say it's the devil's day. I'm like, absolutely not. God ordained this day for you to be yeah. born. And, and I think I, I love the idea that you said we should have our hearts open, our homes open yeah. to receive those that are in our neighborhoods, not lock ourselves in a corner, hiding from darkness. Right. But yeah. shining a light in the middle of it. Love it. Yeah. So, so good. So, and again, parents, you, you know, you, you're the parent. Um, I'm a big advocate for parents. You make your decision, but you do not have authority to judge another parent mm -hmm. who chooses differently. Mm -hmm. So your, your authority ends with your children. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the things that we, we all learn. I mean, we have, we have, our church is full of people who put their kids in travel ball. I, I don't believe in it. Mm -hmm. I, I think it is a religion unto itself, but I don't judge those people. I just go, okay, they've made a different decision than what you know, my wife and I made, um, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I, I hope it works out for them. I, I, you know, and Halloween falls into the same category for me as many parental decisions. Uh, you know, some parents, you know, push their kids excessively academically and that's okay. That's their choice. Um, you know, we're just going to choose to be different in this and have grace for each other. Yeah. Be like, okay, look, I don't get it. I don't agree with it, but, um, I, I'm, I'm going to love you and, and push towards unity, um, right? That's good. What did, the, what did we say last week? Work towards peace and mutual upbuilding. Mm -hmm. Halloween is one of those topics that's going to tear, you know, just going to tear right. families apart and, and really ruin friendships. And so, like she said in the question, so many people disagree. So I would encourage you from South Africa, thank you for your question, mm -hmm. to, to continue to maintain your perspective. But it might be a cultural thing. I don't know, mm -hmm. is, South, is Halloween something that's celebrated in South right. Africa? I don't know. So there might be a cultural difference. Um, if somebody's listening from Mexico, there, there, there might be a different perspective with you know, the cultural relation to dead family members. There, there might be something that's different there. And so there's not a blanket answer for mm. all people, but a principle to live by. And that is to love your neighbors as yourself. And, and you need to take that seriously. Um, you know, I, I don't think that Halloween is a sin or not a sin, but we can choose to sin by either a being 
ultra self-righteous and judging or partaking in things that are, you know, witchcraft or, or, or or overly sexual. Mm -hmm. And so I actually have a bigger issue with the overall sexualization of Halloween than I do with the demonic, because I don't think, you know, demon worship and witchcraft is nearly the problem that the over-sexualization of our culture is. Mm. And so that's the thing that, you know, bothers me. And I don't like that about Christmas. I don't like, you know, uh, people dressing sexy for a Christmas party. I don't like that either. I don't think it belongs in that. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. Awesome. That was good. Thanks. Okay. Ready? Going to intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new season of the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where author and pastor Matt Brown answers your questions about Christianity and really debriefs cultural issues that are happening all around us. We are so excited. Thank you for sending in your questions. Pastor Matt, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, man. I always love the first questions on Halloween. Yes, it's relevant. It's now, it's happening. Um, People are deciding what they're going to do, what they're not going to do with their kids during the season. There's a whole lot of cultural factors around it. And I think we need to hear from you. We need to know what, what, What's what with that? Okay, I have some feedback. So this is really good. This isn't a question. This is feedback from Sam Jordan in Canyon Lake. She, uh, or he, sorry, Sam. (laughs) I just wanted to to thank you Mm. for the message this week. The truth that there is a real peace that surpasses all understanding is what convinced me beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is real. Mm. And I needed to learn more about him. I didn't know there were believers that it never experienced it. Yeah. But as someone that spent 30 years living out of my own strength and outright defiance of God, I believe that it's available to me. It's available to anyone who asks. Thank you for speaking to mental health and unhealth as well. Mm. If I had known Jesus and the church, if I had known Jesus and the church cared, I would have come a lot sooner. Yeah, I'm so glad, and I'm glad you're here, man. Um, one of our pastors told us that uh, a Muslim man came to church at one of our campuses. And, uh, you know, I, I talked about the Muslim greeting, mm-hmm. salam alaikum. And, uh, and if you're Muslim, forgive my pronunciation of that. I don't speak Arabic. <laughs> um, and I talked about the difference between the same word in Arabic, mm-hmm. salam, and Hebrew, shalom. Mm-hmm. And I talked about how, as Christians, our word for that is Jesus. Yeah. In him, he is our peace. And he actually came forward and gave his life to Christ. Praise God. Had walked into the church for the first time and said, I don't have peace with God. I'm not at peace with myself. I'm not at peace with others. And on a video, like everybody, you know, Christians have opinions, like not just on Halloween, on watching church on a screen, mm-hmm. watched uh, me preach on a screen and came forward and mm. gave his life to Christ. And I just was like, okay, that's why we do what we do. And you're like, well, that didn't happen at uh, my campus. Well, that's the beauty of being 14 campuses is God is moving differently at different locations. And so uh, it may not just have been the week to move in your campus. The Holy Spirit moves yeah, where he wants. And right. he brought that beautiful, wonderful, amazing Muslim man for whatever reason, walked into a church and man, that was his moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Shalom is real. We just believe that it is found through Jesus. And that's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So thanks for the uh, the comment. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's nice when someone says thank you and that they receive that. And I saw many people at our campus in particular who came forward and just asked for prayer, things about anxiety and issues, um, and just so grateful 
to know peace in Jesus. Yeah. So good. Well, thank you guys for sending your questions. You guys are doing amazing with that. Yes. We love it. We love when even uh, on campus, if you hear something, you can just go right on your app and type in your question at move.sc forward slash ask. And we got some really great questions yeah, every heard, week. But I heard this 143 week, this week. That is amazing. So if your question doesn't get uh, answered, uh, maybe you were 142. Two. <laughs> so, so we're going to do the best we can and just know that we're reading all of them. And, and sometimes what we do is we actually, some of you are asking the same questions. Yeah. And so we kind right. of put them together. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're, if your if your question isn't answered specifically, but sort of, that's what happened because we just—I mean, you and I'd be here all day long. Yeah, we'd be. But, but every question matters, and we're so thankful for Thank everybody. Thank you that so says it. much. So this week you talked about a different piece, which is mm-hmm. what we were just sharing right now, and and uh, how we can find that peace in Jesus. I love the statement that He is our peace. Mm-hmm. Jesus is our peace. Can you just share briefly? kind of what you talked about this week. Yeah, I I think that so much of us, where we're struggling is we're trying to find peace in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that is why it's, it's just unattainable. We we can't, we can't find it. You know, counseling helps, church helps, reading the Bible helps, but ultimately the beauty of Ephesians is Jesus is our peace. And so I have to press into who he is and what he is and what he came to do. And, and here's the thing, here's the beauty about it. I don't know if you personally will be victorious over your anxiety. But I know that in Jesus, we do defeat our anxiety. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if if you personally can defeat uh, your depression, but I know in Jesus, ultimately, your depression will to be defeated. And so for so many of us, you know, the battle of mental illness is will I ever get well? One of my favorite movies, I think, gosh, this movie is like 20 years old. Isn't it weird? The older you get, the faster time flies. Yeah. But the movie is as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie about a guy who's seeking therapy and he bursts into the counselor's office and his question is, what if this is as good as it gets? Mm-hmm. And there are some things in life, this is this is as good as it gets, yeah. but here's the beauty of Jesus. There's another life mm-hmm. and it's called eternal life. And, and, and when we step into that, all things will be healed. All things will be changed. And so I think we can experience some change, some healing. We will find incredible levels of peace, um, but we know that ultimately we will experience peace. And again, so I talked a lot about Islam and Judaism. I think one of the things that makes me so sad about Eastern religions like Hinduism and like Buddhism is their heaven is nirvana, which is not peace. It is the end of feeling. Mm. And I'm like, okay, like there's a word for that in the West. It's called death, right? <laughs> yeah. So so in the West, uh, especially amongst scientists and, and, and people in the medical field, when you die, There's nothing. That is the Buddhist picture Mm. of peace. You get off the Ferris wheel of of multiple lives and ultimately you get to die and be nothing. And so Mm. now we're going to have some people, you know, that will argue that the way that they were raised or the way that they view it is different. And I would just say, okay, I'm glad that you were raised different, but press into actually what Buddhism is teaching and actually what Nirvana is. It's, It's ultimately death. It is the ultimate freedom from suffering. Mm-hmm. So what Buddha is teaching is, right, you need to be free from pleasure and pain. Okay, and the the Western word for that is death. Yeah. And and Jesus says there's something better than just not feeling. Yeah. There's, there's feeling him mm-hmm. and his peace and his love and his care. 
And, and that's what we're talking about as Christians is, is learning to feel Jesus, not just nothing. Because in the West, we don't pursue nirvana. We pursue intoxication. Mm-hmm. That's the way we experience right. nirvana in the West is I peace, want to feel numb. Right. Peace is not numb. Yeah. Right. Peace is, is not the same as not feeling anything. It's pressing into the one who mm-hmm. overwhelms all of the anxiety and all of the yeah. depression and whatever's going on. So that's so good. I love that. Um, Michael from Riverside had a great question. Uh on grace. And well, actually it was from this week. You talked about, he says, you stated in your second point of your message on grace that we could become just like Jesus. Several folks in our community group had an issue with this as we all believe we want to live more like Christ, but none of us feel we can be just like him. And this is an unrealistic expectation. I believe it would have been better to say something like more like not trying to imply, I know anything about what you're trying to say, but since there was some strong emotion from our conversation and we were all just trying to figure out what you meant. We thought we could just ask you, can you help us understand? Yeah. So thank you, Michael. I appreciate uh, just the boldness of your question. Yeah. And, and again, this is why we do the debrief because not everything I say comes out right. And not everything I say catches people right, either individually or in a group. So what I want you to back up towards is so, so the confusion comes from point number two, um, that with God's grace, we can become just like Jesus. Okay. So let's back up. The first point was without God's grace, I will become just like everyone else. So part of what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to mirror uh, point number one with point number two. You're never going to become just like everyone else. You will remain an individual, but you will be more like everyone else than you are like God mm-hmm. in point number one, without God's grace. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean that people don't show kindness. That doesn't mean that people aren't loving. It doesn't mean that people don't show concern but ultimately, without God's grace, that concern, that love, that kindness is really self-motivated, whereas in Jesus, it becomes God-motivated. And so let me give you a scripture to think about. This is out of 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Now, this wasn't in the sermon, mm-hmm. okay? And then we're going to go back to Ephesians, which is the book that we're studying in. So John writes to the church, and he says, Dear friends, we are God's children now. So what is Jesus? God's one and only son. What is John saying? We are yeah. now God's children. We, he says, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. So the issue, Mike, right? It's his name. Mm-hmm. Michael, the issue is what your group is struggling with is you have not yet seen what will be revealed. So what will be revealed for you and everyone in your group who is in Christ? He says, we, we know that when he appears, that's Jesus. Yeah. We will be like him, mm-hmm. just like him, because we will see him as he is. So part of the, of the return of Christ is not just seeing Jesus for who he is, but in the resurrection, we will see ourselves for so who we good. are. And so, so here's what I would say is, yeah, in this life, we are pushing to become more like him. But the statement, with God's grace, we will, we will become just like Jesus, is an ultimate reality. Mm. So when you go back through as a small group and you read Ephesians 1 and you read Ephesians 2, Paul is speaking to our present reality and to our future reality and both of those things. And so, yeah, in this life, we need to become more and more like Jesus. We're going to fail every day. We're going to struggle every day. But ultimately, we become like Jesus, not because of our effort, but because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now let's go back to Ephesians chapter one, verse four. For he chose us in him. Who did he choose us in? In Christ before the foundations of the world. You see, the, pre- the present you 
is not decided by you. It was decided by God's grace before you were ever made, before you ever had a struggle, before you ever had a sin, God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, here's where Calvinists get it twisted. They think, oh, God has preemptively chosen some to be saved and some not to be saved. That That is not what is being spoken of. And we're gonna get it, we're, we're gonna answer that in a future question, the question about what does it mean one man? Mm-hmm. So um, so I'm, I'm gonna get to what he means by why I believe that he's not talking about uh, you as an individual being chosen before uh, the foundation of the world. He said, for he chose us, plural, us, plural, before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself according to his favor and will. So how do we become sons and daughters of God? through the one son of God, Jesus Christ. And he's predestined us to be adopted, to be sons and daughters. And so in that, Michael, we become just like Jesus. I'm not saying you will be God. I'm not saying you will be the son of God. What I'm saying is you will become just like the son of God in that you have become a child of God. And because of the grace of God, not only are you adopted, not only do you have a declared status, but you can actually begin to change and the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus can empower you and change you and move in you. And so here's what I want you to feel. I, I You should be frustrated because you can do more. Hmm. There's more to you than you know, Michael. And, you know, right to err is human. Yeah, but to be like Jesus is to be perfect. And so both of those realities are true. We're human and we err. But, you know, um, and, and I think this is a struggle that we have at Sandals Church. Our vision is to be real. And we're mm-hmm. like, well, I'm just being real. Okay, that's part of it. Right. But we're also called to be righteous. Yeah. That's the other part. And so, you know, if Tammy says, you know, I don't like the way you treated me. I don't like the way that you're behaving. You should, you should lead like Jesus. I don't just get to say, well, I'm a human. Yeah. She's right. Mm-hmm. I need to be like more, more like Jesus. And because of God's grace, not only am I saved in it, but I'm sustained in it. And he's transforming mm-hmm. me. So... Um, we are saved by grace. Here's a big word. We are sanctified by grace. And that's a big word, confusing word. That means not only has Jesus saved our soul, but he's changing us. Absolutely. We are becoming more and more like him. And 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 hopefully what Michael in the small group is seeing is a year from now, you are more like Jesus next year than you are today. Absolutely. And so that's what I mean is, and it is grace that is doing that. And so here's the beauty. Because of God's grace, I can say I'm not perfect but God is making me perfect and I can confess my sin. I can identify my sin because I know my status in Christ is unchanging. So the reason like in marriage, it's so scary to be real is like, yeah, you probably want to say no matter what Devon is with me. Mm-hmm. Well, there are probably some what's <laughs> that would make Devon, uh, she's de- a Devo, um, Devon. Yeah. Either one. He, he changed his name. He's throwing me off. So, uh, well, he didn't change his name. He's going back to his original name. Right. But Devon, th- there are some things that would make him question his Absolutely. loyalty. There's nothing with Jesus mm-hmm. that would make him question because no matter what you've done, mm-hmm. he already died for it. Yeah. It was horrible. Um, it, it was excruciating. That's where we get the word excruciating comes from crucifixion. Same thing with me and Tammy. There are some things that I could share that would make me insecure in our relationship. There's nothing with God. Mm-hmm. So, and so let's go back to Hebrews. Because of grace, we can come before the throne of God with boldness and come to him in our time of need. So God is this amazing, unbelievable relationship that we have if 
we're in Christ. Mm -hmm. If you are not in Christ, you do, you do not have access to the throne of God. Jesus Christ gives us access to the throne of God, and because of him, we have grace. And so think about those two words. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul says this, imitate me as yeah. I mm -hmm. imitate Christ. Christ. Yeah. So, um, and that's what we're trying to learn at churches. We're identifying people in the church who are imitating Christ. Uh, that's what the word Christian means, little Christ. Uh, it was actually like a, a derogatory term, mm -hmm. um, but it became a badge of honor for us as Christians. And so we're trying to be little Christ on earth because he has predestined us. Mm -hmm. He has conformed us to become like him. That's settled. That's done. I will be changed. Now I just need to walk in that change and open I myself. I think you said the gr it's the grace of God that is right. making us more like yes. Jesus. It feels almost like, and I, I don't want to assume, Michael, what the heavy emotion was in your group, but you feel like you have to do this on your own and right. that you'll never get there. Yeah. But it's, I love that you said it's, gr it's the grace of God. God finds us where we are, but he doesn't yeah. keep us where no. we are. He changes yeah. us from second Corinthians, this right? God from glory to glory. Yeah. God loves you where you are, but he doesn't want you to stay there. He doesn't want you to stay. And there. so that's what our culture has got wrong about God is they've said, God loves me as I am and wants me to stay this way. Yeah. It's like, no, no, God loves you where you are. And he wants you to become like Jesus, like Jesus. Like Jesus. And so, um, we, we need God's grace. We, we can't change Michael on our own. And what mm. you guys are experiencing is how hard it is to do it yourself. Yeah. You know, um, we, we all know, you know, I sat down with a, a meal with my mom and she's dieting and, you know, I just, I'm just sitting there. We're at lunch on Sunday and she cooked the whole meal and she's drinking her protein shake. And I'm like, this just feels wrong. <laughs> I'm like, this just feels wrong. And I know it was hard for her. You know, I, I know she's trying to lose weight. I know she's trying to get healthier. It's hard in of ourselves to do what we know is right. Mm -hmm. Um, but by God's grace, we can do that mm -hmm. if we ask for it. And so uh, grace means charis. The Holy Spirit gives us charis. It's uh, translated in many churches as gifts, charismatic gifts. And so we think, oh, what's my gift? Mm -hmm. Well, your primary gift is grace. And so we need that and say, God, I need your grace today um, to be like Jesus. Mm. Jesus is not a, just a picture of who God is. He's a picture of who you were meant to be. That's good. And so that's heavy. So, That's really good. Yeah. So good. I hope that was helpful, Michael. Um, I know that that was so good. We can be just like Jesus. And we love people who act like Jesus. Amen. You know oh. what I'm saying? Like we don't want, that's the point is, is for us to be conformed into the image of his dear son. That's what the Bible says. Okay. This one is from YouTube. Flower Bean VR. Yes. Flower Bean. Come on, Flower Bean. Greatest name ever. Isn't it? That's yes. awesome. I'm struggling with anxiety and feel like I have no soul. Mm. It's hard to believe that God is actually here. I have a huge fear of dying. How do I feel God again? Yeah, so um, I think we, I think if we're honest, we all have a fear of dying. Man, I can tell you that the people that, um, I mean, even Jesus had some concerns. So, <laughs> right, right. Hey, Dad, uh, you know, before he died <laughs> on the cross, he's like, yeah, I, I'm not, you know, I don't, you know, this was not how I planned my Thursday. Um, you know, you're like, I thought he died on Good Friday. Probably not. Probably on Thursday. Um, that's a whole nother talk. Yeah, Christian, Chris, you can't get you can't you can't get three days from Friday to Sunday. It's probably a Thursday. True. Uh, there's a whole nother discussion on that. But um, so, you know, so I think that the first thing that you need to understand is that death is is a healthy, normal fear because we were not meant to die. We were created to live forever with God, and death is a consequence of sin. Um, so it's a reality that we we live with. 
And so one of the things that anxiety does is it hijacks everything that you feel. Mm -hmm. uh, people who battle anxiety, if you put them into Disneyland, they don't have fun. If you take them to the beach, they don't have fun. Uh, their location cannot change how they feel because the problem is not where they are, it's it's what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And so what I would just say is, God, just be honest with them. This is how I feel. Um, I'm overwhelmed with my thoughts. I'm overwhelmed with my emotions. And I want you uh, to handle these. And so um, here's what I do, because I'm a person that struggles with anxiety. From time to time, uh, I, I get like... Um, I get depression like people get the flu. So I'm grateful that I don't have it all the time, but every now and then, man, I'll have a bad week and it's it's dark, it's it's like a cloud hanging over me and I, I don't like it and I have to work through it. And uh, thankfully, I, I haven't had to, to, to be on any kind of medication. I, I've worked through it with relationships and friendships, but here's what I do, uh, Flower Bean. I love your name, get outside, mm -hmm. get off your phone. Social media is not your friend, media is not your friend. They've actually done research that um, the the blue screen and the blue light, anytime, uh, some people say 11 p.m. at night, some people say 8 p.m. I've heard some scientists, neuroscientists say as late as 7 p.m. at night, no blue light. Mm -hmm. It disrupts your sleep. It disrupts your sleep patterns. Look, God has the lights go off for a reason, and we technology has changed that. So we keep the lights on. It disrupts our sleep. It causes us to be anxious. There's a direct correlation between the spike in anxiety and the invention of the smartphone. Absolutely. You, you, Ben, you can, every social ill and social struggle that's been magnified, you can go back to, you know, our beloved uh, Apple founder, Steve Jobs, man. He gave us the iPhone and he just poured crack cocaine <laughs> on our, on our anxiety and our Absolutely. depression. And so there's no, there, there's, there's no stop on that. So China, right. Um, they, they've given us TikTok in China. There's actually a limit. Um, you can only scroll so many times because wow. they've discovered that the endless scrolling, we can't stop. Absolutely. We cannot stop. It does something to our brains. It hijacks us. Um, and, and here's the thing is, you can only scroll so long before you look at something you shouldn't look, you shouldn't look at. And so, man, get off social media, get outside. So here's what I do when I'm feeling overwhelmed and anxious. And so here's the problem. When the issue is your brain, it's, it's hard. Like if I have a broken arm, my brain knows I need to go to the doctor. My brain makes me go uh, to the doctor. The problem is when it's your brain that's broken, your brain says it's not you, it's everybody else. You don't need medication. You know, I mean, people in our church, they get on medication, they get on medication, they're better, and then they think they don't need it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, mm -hmm. whoa, let's slow down. So get outside and walk. And and one of the things that I do that that just helps us, and so so much of that therapy that they do, I forget what it's called, is it MMDR? EMDR. E EMDR. Mm -hmm. um, you can do this on, on your own. You may need to see a therapist, but it's walk down the street and look at trees or, or, or poles on both sides of the street bilateral as you walk. Bilateral stimulation. Yep, so it's bilateral. And so what that forces your brain to do is you use both sides. Yep. And so to just get outside, go for a walk, go to the beach. Here's the problem you don't want to. And, and, and so here's where, here's what I had to say. I don't have the mental discipline that I want. So how am I going to do it? Um, you know, and so much of life is learning to do what we don't want to do. Um, man, have you heard of the, I think it's called the 10 second rule. Who wrote that book? So it's the story of this guy who lost 200 pounds. And most people who are overweight, don't like working out, don't like the gym, right? Not everybody likes it. Okay, I get it. You know, I mean, we different things float our boats. Mm -hmm. And so he made a decision. All he was going to do was go to the gym every day and he only stayed for 10 seconds. 
went to the gym, 10 seconds. Am I right? Is that the name of the book? Okay. So it's, it's a female author. Of course. Yeah. My chauvinist ways. I thought it was a male. So, but she wrote the book, excuse me, ladies, she wrote the book and she talks about this guy who just went to the gym every day for 10 seconds or maybe it was two minutes. So it's, it's a small amount of time. He literally got to the point where he just went to the gym, turned the treadmill on, turned it off, went home. Wow. He created the habit yeah. of going to the gym and he lost hundreds of pounds. So, um, what you need to do is create the habit. If you are a person, if you are a person that struggles with mental health and mental illness, you need to move to California, move to Arizona. You have to be outside year round, walking, hiking, get off your phone, get outside. Uh, don't watch church online. You need to be mm -hmm. present. You need to be at the church. You need to interact with people. The problem is you're not going to want to. And so the thing is, if you want to change you have to find the will to change. Jesus will not coerce you. He's calling you. He won't make you change. And so I think so many of us, when it comes to our, our, our natural tendencies, we just throw our hands up in the air and say, well, this is how I was made. Well, resurrection literally means God wants to remake you. Mm. From the ground up, from the cellular level up, he's going to remake you. And we have to choose to follow him. And the word repentance Flower, what is it? Flower, flower bean. bean. The word VR. repentance in the Greek is metaneo, and it means the changing of one's mind. Mm -hmm. We translate it repentance, but it's the changing of one's mind. So I understand it's hard for you to believe. I'm just telling you, I've experienced it. I've know, I know, I know so many people that have found freedom in Christ, and I would can, I just encourage you to keep pressing in there. And and here's what I would ask you to change. I would ask you to consider because what you've decided is there isn't a God. He's not out there. You can't change. That's why you've lost hope. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to consider that there might be hope. Mm -hmm. Jesus might be able to change you, that there's a possibility there is a God. Because what that does is it gives you hope. And, and, and man, the most important thing in our life is hope. And here's what I believe is, if you begin hoping that there is a God, that he can change you, you will meet God and he will meet you where you are. So I'll be praying for you. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. But um, change your physical habits and change your spiritual habits, and you will meet Jesus. Mm -hmm. On the on the tail end of that, Nick from Riverside, he had a similar question about he's plugged into church, he's involved in group, but he's trying to find victory Monday through Saturday yeah. through anxiety, suffering from anxiety, practical steps to finding victory. Yeah. And you named some of them. Get yeah. outside. Um, that bilateral stimulation even can happen while you're walking, moving yeah. your feet back and forth, moving back and forth being in community, being in group and finding routine. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, um, you know, structure binds anxiety. Mm -hmm. Never forget that that's structure good. binds anxiety. And so w one of the problems, one of the things that's happened in modern culture is we've lost structure. So when my parents were kids, the TVs went off at midnight. I mean, you, you couldn't watch anymore. Right. There was no home video. Um, man, you, people just went to bed bars, restaurants, things used to be closed on Sundays. We actually had a culture of Sabbath. So whether you liked it or not, whether you were a Christian or not, you got the benefits of a culture that Sabbaths. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's one of the studies when they when they talk about why Israel functions so well. Not all Israelis are are, are Jews, mm -hmm. uh, religious Jews. They're, they're ethnic Jews, mm -hmm. but they're not religious Jews, but it doesn't matter, things are closed. And they're healthier. They're happier. Things shut down. It forces them to take a break. One of the most bizarre things ever was driving on the freeway on the Sabbath in Israel. 
Like you could do donuts. <laughs> you could do donuts on the freeway because everything is shut down. Um, you can't fly. You can't take off on El Al Airlines on, on, on Sabbath. Wow. It, it, you can't do it. And it's one of the challenges, you know, because it's the direct flight. So whenever we take trips to Israel, I'm always like, why can't we book El Al? And they're like, well, it's you only have six days to, to come okay. in and out. But think about the health of their employees, the health of, I mean, it just, it just shows, and it's what we talked about a piece this week, the Harvard research identified that people that go to church at least once a week, so what are they doing? They're adopting the Sabbath, are mentally healthier. Mm-hmm. And um, so many of us, um, Nick, Nick and Flower yeah. Girl, our parents have wanted to make us happy mm. instead of holy, and now we're miserable. So structure binds anxiety. So get in habits. Um, part of anxiety is what am I going to do? What is tomorrow going to look like? Like my wife, man, I love her. She's always like, what are you, what are you going to do on Tuesday? I'm like the same thing I do every <laughs> Tuesday. Like not very little in my life changes. My wife is all over the place free. I get to do this. I get, I'm like, you know, when I leave here, I got meetings and then I got to write and I got to prepare. Like my week is this regular thing. It doesn't change. And some people say, oh, well, that's boring. Actually, no, it's structure. And it provides peace for me. Um, I actually struggle more on vacation Hmm. than I do uh, in my work because I have to decide what we're going to do all day, every day. And so uh, it's just a beautiful thing. So uh, Nick, exercise. Yeah. Uh, Whether you like it or not, you need it. You know, um, you need it. And so part of growing up and being an adult is choosing what you need to do over what you want to do. And that word is discipline. All discipline is, is I'm going to decide today to do what I need to do, not what I want to do. And here's the thing, people who do whatever they want are miserable people. It's not a good place to be. Your whole life will fall apart. Um, I was watching this show on Netflix about a swimmer and this guy was like, he was like the Michael Phelps before the Michael Phelps and he won, like won every single race when he was a teenager. And he just was done. He dropped out, grew his hair out, got tatted up, started smoking dope. And three years later, he was just miserable. Wow. He was miserable. And and he realized the structure that he hated from swimming was what he needed. And he went back to that. Actually won an Olympic medal uh, in his 30s, which, you know, in swimming is like you're a dinosaur, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you're in your 30s. Um, but But he won. And he just talked about how that discipline that he thought he hated was actually what he needed for mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, Now the competitive nature of swimming, I think can be exhausting. Um, But one of the things I did, Nick, um, is I started doing triathlons in my thirties and I needed that exertion. And it just, it really, I I can't tell you, um, I was physically tired from training. I didn't have any anxiety Mm. ever. I was too tired. I was too tired to feel anxiety. And especially for men, Think about it. For thousands of years as men, we've had to work outside every day with our hands, literally breaking our backs with labor. Now we don't do that and we're anxious. We got all this pent up adrenaline that we don't know what to do with. And, um, you know, so much of life for most of human history was decided. You had to do whatever your parents did and you had to find food for the day. And now we don't, but our brains you know, um, so here's what science says is our brains are accustomed to looking out for danger. So now there isn't any. (laughs) So our brains are inventing it. Mm -hmm. They're inventing it. You know, so when I'm on the airplane for five hours, I'm thinking about the fact that the plane could crash, even though they almost never do. Mm -hmm. So I'm focused on what might happen. And, and again, it's practicing, 
presence and saying, okay, God, here I am. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Um, I don't know what God's going to do tomorrow. So here's what I'm I'm going to do today. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to sit in this. This morning I woke up, you know, Donna had her coffee. I had my coffee um, in different houses. Yes. Right? Yes, in different <laughs> yeah. houses. Uh, yeah. Um, and then I sat down and I opened this book right yeah. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I opened this book right here. Right. And, and I read this morning. I always start with a psalm. Mm. Psalms just kind of pick me up, man. You think you're depressed? Read the psalms. Those guys were like, Lord, I hate everyone. You know, <laughs> yeah. kill, every- kill everyone. Yeah, kill everyone now. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I feel pretty good about myself. And then I read the New Testament because we need the gospel. Yeah. We need Jesus. And so this morning I was in Mark chapter 7. And I was just reading about Jesus being rejected in his own hometown. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's in the scriptures because it bothered him, Nick. It bothered him that is, they're like, who is this mm-hmm. that speaks with such wisdom? And they didn't listen to him. Yeah. And he marveled at their unbelief. I mean, even Jesus had to deal with rejection. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, Lord, you know, not everybody loves me and and that's okay. They, they didn't all love you. I got to try to be like you and, and I got to move forward. And so again, discipline, discipline, discipline. Mm-hmm. Discipline is the distance between who you are and what you want to be. And I think one of the biggest problems is our world is so interested in saying it's not your fault and if it's not your fault what can you do like if if everything that's wrong with me is you donna yeah and you can't change me i can't change you now i'm a victim and i'm stuck yeah you you are far more powerful than you know Mm -hmm. you are a child of god and you can change i'm not saying it's going to be perfect but it can be better yeah i i hear you saying for both of these questions taking a holistic approach to anxiety, yeah. spirit, soul, and body. So Amen. we need the church. We need God. Yes. We need, I know in, when I was 35, I started having panic attacks. Never had. Me too. That, yeah. Come on, never mid-30s, had, baby. <laughs> mid-30s. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. Like I never really, I kind of always had like a low level of anxiety just because yeah. of the way that I grew up. Mm. But started having panic attacks. I started praying, asking God, what is this? And he said, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Spirit, soul, and body. First of all, Donna, you're too fat. That's mm. what he's all right. <laughs> your, your lifestyle. No, I'm being yeah. real. Like your yeah. lifestyle cannot keep up. Your heart can't keep up with the lifestyle that you're mm-hmm. doing. Soul, I had to forgive some people. There were yeah. just some things that had wrecked my soul oh. that God needed to deal with. And yeah. then like, and then my spirit being in God's word, I started memorizing Psalm 23, right? Yeah. I had a mantra, um, control is not the goal. God is in control. Amen. And I had Ooh. to say it over and over and over. And I started having visions of me on a plane uh, and the door closing and it would throw me into a panic attack. Wow. And I would say, God, what is this? Yeah. And I knew it was an attack. Like I knew it was mm. a demonic attack in the middle of all of that drama, that all the other stuff that God mm. was asking me to do. Um, and I would say, control is not the goal. God is in control. And so spirit, soul, and body, Nick, yes. flower bean, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Get out and run. Get yeah. in sunlight. Mm-hmm. Get around people. Open your scripture. So good. Yeah. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. This is the greatest commandment. And um, and the second is equal to it. Jesus says, love your neighbor. Listen to this as you love yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, Nick and Flower Bean, you are loved by God. Absolutely. And you need to start understanding, okay, how can I love myself the way that God does? And here's the truth is if we all loved ourselves the way God does, we wouldn't sin. <laughs> You know, because sin is self-harm. That's what it is. I mean, I know you guys think it's old-fashioned, it's outdated. No, sin is self-harm. You know, God told Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of good and evil because he knew what it would do to them. Yeah. And boy, they experienced it. Mm -hmm. So, And we did all too. Oh, man. So good. Yes. Okay, so this question is a heavy one. Um, And I think it's so good. Thank you 
a David for sending this in because there are many who will relate to this on a few different levels. But it says, I've been married for five years. My wife and I are both Christians and we waited till marriage to have sex. And recently I found out that I am unable to have kids. Mm, In the past three months, my wife has told me she is no longer interested in me sexually or emotionally and at times wants to date or have relations with other men. Mm -hmm. This plus the news about kids has brought me to rock bottom. I'm meeting with a counselor, soul care, and I'm in couples therapy. I'm also relying heavily on God for strength and peace. My question is, how can I obtain peace in this season, still show my wife grace through this discord, and also should my grace toward her be indefinite, even if she continues to sin against me in our marriage? Yeah, okay. So there's, there's a, lo- a lot. Yeah, man, there's, there's a lot there, David. So thank you, number one, for being so thank you, vulnerable. Yes. You know, I think your wife and you both said you were Christians. And there's a difference between what we say and who we are. And so what your wife is revealing is she's a Christian unless, unless it's difficult, unless it's not satisfying. And for every single one of us, there's always a crossroads. So my favorite passage in scripture is everybody's following Jesus. Everybody wants to follow Jesus. He's the new, cool, hip, young rock star. And he says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will have no part of me. And everybody dude, lives. everybody <laughs> heads for the hills. You're like, no, I'm not doing that. And then, he, and, and then the, he turns to the disciples and he says, will you two lead me? Mm-hmm. And I love what Peter says. He's like, he's like, yeah, but you alone have the words that lead to life. Yeah, he's like, that going? was creepy. That was weird. <laughs> I don't get it. Right. I don't want to eat you. But, you know, <laughs> where, where else am I going to go? Yeah. And so, you know, it's not until... There's something that we disagree with, something that's difficult that we find out what we believe. We do not find out we believe um, in Jesus by going forward and saying, I believe in getting baptized. We, we find out what we believe when I'm unhappy in my marriage, when I'm unsatisfied sexually, when I'm depressed, when I'm angry. It is in life's difficulties that we find faith. Mm-hmm. It is not in life's pleasantries. Um, you know, anybody can be a fair weather Christian. And so what I would just challenge you is, again, and I see couples do this all the time. They bring their, okay, and if you're listening, I'm doing quotes. Mm-hmm. They bring their Christian spouse, their Christian child, their Christian friend to church, and they're like, make them be Christian. And yeah. I'm like, I, I can't do that. Um, Jesus invites people. He doesn't make people. He, in, he invites people to be uh, people of faith. He invites them to follow. And so what I would just say is I, I'm reading between the lines. Um, mm. I'm guessing she has been unfaithful. He didn't say that. Yeah. Because he just, just said she, she shared con- she wants to be. If she continues to sin against me or yeah. our marriage, I don't know if that means just in her not wanting to be with him or yeah. it, it kind of feels like to me in this that maybe she's yeah faithful. and so and so this is man this is a new part of our culture that's so changing you know so much of our progressive culture is stuck in the 60s and it drives me crazy um you know progressives are constantly trying to solve yesterday's problems mm-hmm. and i'm like what world do you guys live in and so here here's here's the old world men are cheaters guess what the today's world is Women are cheaters. Mm -hmm. Infidelity amongst women is skyrocketing. 80% of all divorce in America are are initiated by women. Women are unhappy. And and part of it is, it's not with you. What's his name? David. David, it's with their expectations of what a modern man should be. Mike, you know... (laughs) 
my grandparents, my, my grandmothers had very little <laughs> expectations of their husbands, mm-hmm. but they had healthier relationships than, than most of the people in our church. Mm-hmm. Um, my grand, my grandpas were grumpy, angry, demanding, chauvinistic. Yeah. I would take their marriage over 90% of the marriages today because again, and it's not that men shouldn't be better, but my gosh, look at the expectations that our cultures have, our culture has put on men over mm-hmm. the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. What, what expectations have we put on women? Mm-hmm. Now, they, they were there in 50s and 60s. Um, you know, um, I, I was talking with uh, a friend of mine about why uh, female superheroes suck. And it's because we don't know how to express culturally a struggle of women. Mm. So think about Luke Skywalker and think about Ray. We love Luke Skywalker. Nobody loves Ray. <laughs> and why is that? Luke's an idiot. Luke struggles. Luke goes into the cave to fight evil. Guess who it is? It's himself. He cuts the head off Darth Vader. And, you know, I don't know if you're a Star Wars person. A little bit. Darth Vader's mask blows up. It's his face. Ray goes in to fight evil. It's just evil. It's mm-hmm. not her. Mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker has to lose his, learn to swing a, a lightsaber. Ray just knows. That was lame. Like she just, she just knows how to use this. She can fight all people. And, and I heard a director in Hollywood say this. He said, we know in our culture that men must become women just are, it's Hmm. not helpful. So, so we need to learn to let women struggle. Um, and, and so I think that women feel pressures to be beautiful and to be, you know, you know, to look like they're 17 their whole life. I mean, that's gross. I'm not saying that's not real. Um, but so much of it is, is we as a culture have not figured out a way to let women process and deal with unhappiness in marriage mm-hmm. because we've created this picture, right? Where you're married to this strong, independent, masculine, yeah. sensitive, caring, you know, he goes All to work, things. he goes to All work, you know, uh, nine to five and he comes home and he's a therapist. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what the heck, man? <laughs> um, you know, you, men are men. And, yeah. so, and so part of it is, is embracing a man for who he is and just saying, okay, what are the weaknesses I can deal with? What are the weaknesses that have to change? Because we can't change everything about everybody. And I'm not saying, ladies, I'm not saying it's all your fault. I'm just saying there's an epidemic of unhappiness amongst women that we have never seen. Hmm. And feminism is the greatest contributor to that because they said the problem is men, you right. know, and, and it's just like, again, remember what I said about if all my problems are you, what do I do? Yeah. So for women, if, if it's a patriarchal system, if it's always men, if it's always chauvinism, you're helpless. You, you can do nothing but mm-hmm. flee the very relationships that you need. And so what I would say is, buddy, mm. this is not just you because I think yeah. a lot of men just feel like, oh, my gosh, it's me, it's me, it's me. It's, it's the cultural oppression of women that I think we think is a patriarchal oppression. I think it's just it's just – some of what feminism was was good. Women right. should be equally paid. They should be. I mean, guys, women couldn't run in a marathon. My mom couldn't play sports. Wow. Like, that's crazy. Right. That's crazy. Um, and so there were some things that about our culture that were just broken and, and, and awful. Uh, you know, women didn't have the right to vote. I mean, some of that stuff's just nutty. Mm-hmm. It's nutty. But we've gone too far. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a great uh, book called um, The Boy Crisis. And he says this in the 1970s, he was a leading part of feminism. And so many feminism feminists are now starting to say, hey, this new wave of feminism has gone too far. And, and what he said was in 1972, when he spoke at UCLA graduation, uh, there were no women graduating with a PhD. Wow. 
He was invited to speak in 2014. Not one no male yep. candidate. Mm -hmm. It's a problem. Listen to me. Listen to me, ladies. Our boys are hurting. Our boys are suffering. Women are excelling at, at, at sandals. Most of the men that work for me, they're women. They're, they're women. <laughs> they're women. <laughs> most, of the, most of the men that work for me at sandals, their wives make more money and are more successful. Wow. It's, 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 it's again, progressives are solving problems from the past. Hmm. They're not problems today. What, we need to help our men. And so, so here's what I would say is I don't know if your wife's a Christian or not. I don't know yeah. if you're a Christian or not. I, I, I'm reading this. I know you're hurting. So right. what I would say is we find out what we believe when we're hurting. Mm -hmm. It's not when we're happy. And so here's what I would say for you. If she's cheating, if she's going outside the marriage, Jesus hates divorce. God hates divorce. Sexual infidelity is clearly one of the reasons uh, Jesus gives that says, okay, right. you have an out. out. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not saying you should get out. I'm not saying you should leave because uh, we, you know, and every Christian loves to point out, um, is it Gomer? Hosea? Mm -hmm. His wife's name Gomer. is Gomer. Worst female name of all time. <laughs> um the book of Hosea, right? So his wife repeatedly cheats. Right. Um, you know, she's a prostitute. She sells herself to have sex right. with other men. Okay, but that's a picture of God's relationship right. with, with, with his people. Right. <laughs> so so I that's not God's picture of marriage. Right. That's got a picture that's of what not the God, ideal. Yeah, right. no, that's right. not the ideal. Um and I think he names his kids like not my own. Like right. yeah, so the, okay, so just understand that. So here's what I would say is you probably have an out. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that's what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. If God's telling you to keep loving her, uh, but part of love is boundaries. Like love has boundaries. And 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 what she may need is for you to be a, a man. And a man says, this is not okay. And I am not okay with this. Um, you shouldn't cheat on her. I see couples do this all the time. Oh, right. you cheated. I'm going to cheat. Oh, yeah, that that's helpful. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that just messes up the relationship to say, this is not okay. Um, and, and if she's going to come back to you and respect to you, you need to act like a man. There's mm -hmm. actually a, a, Paul ends, I think it's second Timothy with have courage, act like men. Mm -hmm. So be strong, be, be compassionate. Don't be belittling, hurtful, yeah. mean. She's obviously hurting. Um, and it doesn't say, he says he's in counseling. He's in soul care. He does say he's in couples therapy. Yeah. So I don't know how much she's participating in any or all of this. But the part that was interesting to me was my wife and I are both Christians and we waited till marriage to have sex. Yeah. And now she is no longer sexually interested. I, yeah. I'm a little bit, because I don't know, like what, what is the expectation? Was there an expectation because something happened outside of marriage? And so right. now it doesn't, to me, it doesn't follow a natural progression. What else, unless she's just like, I want to go try other things. Mm -hmm. What, I don't know. I, I found that really interesting that they decided not to have sex until marriage and now she's no longer sexually interested. Also, we've talked about this for the past couple of weeks. What is she feeding on? Right. You know, what is she putting before her eyes? And these expectations that you're saying that women have on men, are you finding, are you comparing your men to your man to men on TikTok? Are you yeah. comparing them to some marriage you've seen in social media or on TV? I mean, uh, hopefully yeah. she's participating in this process. Yeah, as well. I hope so too. And so here's the thing, you know, uh, social media is intoxicating. You know, ladies, if you put a picture of yourself uh, on the internet, some dude's going to say something Absolutely. positive about you. And so here's the thing I would say. Adulterous men have lying lips and they will say whatever they mm -hmm. want. And I see this all the time. Women get the attention they wish they had from their husband, from another man. And here's the thing. Any man that will sleep with you when you're married does not love you. No. It's just, that's not love. Mm -mm. Uh, love wants the best for yes. you. And the best for you is for you to go back and work in your marriage. Yeah. And so what I would just say is, you know, okay, 
the reason we used to say when we got married was for better or worse is because there are some things that are worse. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of couples deal with infertility and, you know, not drinking out of plastic might not change it. Some people are just infertile. Some good people just don't have kids. And that's, that's the reality of, of, just life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always work that way. The unfortunate thing, you know, in the old days, like couples that, you know, couldn't get pregnant, just didn't know why. Mm -hmm. So the beauty of that was they didn't know who was it you? Is it me? Mm -hmm. Is it us mm -hmm. now? Because of testing, mm -hmm. we assign blame and, and the, the partner that is infertile carries the bigger cross. Mm -hmm. It just is. And so you need a very, very loving spouse. And here's the thing I would say for our infertile couples, men, adoption is a beautiful thing. There are so many kids out there that want to be loved and want to be cared for um, and, and, and want to be adopted. And I would encourage you to do that. You might not get an infant, yeah, you know, but you can get a child, yeah, you know? And so um, if it's love that you want to give, then it's a child that you want and the age doesn't matter. And so I just would encourage so many Christian parents, you were adopted by Christ. Mm -hmm. You're adopted. So then why why wouldn't you adopt and mm -hmm. at least open yourselves up to that? Now, not in this marriage because a child will not fix these problems. Right. It will complicate these problems. And the beauty of this is divorce is always ugly, but it's better when kids aren't involved. Okay. Divorce is always ugly. It's better when kids aren't involved because when kids are involved, you may not sleep together. You're still together. Like yeah. you think about that. You can't, you can't get along married. What do you think is going to happen when you parent Right from different homes right. with different spouses? I mean, it creates so many problems. So what I would encourage is just to say, praise God that we don't have kids yet. Pray for her that she would change. But I would say this to every single woman mm -hmm. out there. We don't talk. Um, you know, I told my girls, man, when you get married, your husband's going to want to have sex. Like that's a part of it. And you need to, you need to decide before you get married, is sex something that I want? Am I willing to love my spouse that way? Because the way you love your spouse, the apostle Paul says this, your body is not your own. Mm -hmm. So there's a part of you as a woman, as a sovereign woman who has agency over her body, you are, uh, Devon's mm -hmm. and, and, and you Absolutely. need to be willing to give yourself to him. And same thing with Tammy. And, and what's so bizarre in Paul is he says men first, give yourself to your wives because men would often neglect their wives sexually in the ancient culture because they, they saw their wives as baby making machines, not as romance. Mm. Paul's like, no, 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 guys. You need to give yourself sexually to your wife um, because that's an important part of a marriage. And, and so many parents, you know, you need to not, you know, teach your kids that sex is bad. Sex is good in the context of marriage. And it's something that should be enjoyed. It's a unique way that you can be one. Um, and it's, it's the way that Tammy and I are unlike in our sexual relationship. Right. It's the way that we are unlike anybody else, anybody yeah. else, mm -hmm. nobody else. Share. It's the one thing that we share. Um, you know, it's the playground that we only play on. We right. don't share that with anyone else. And it's, I'm committed to that. And praise God, I have a wife that's committed to that. But I need to be attentive to her needs and her wants. And, and I need a wife that's attentive to my needs and my wants. Now, having said that, there are limits to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, love does not demand its own way. And so, again, there's, there's so much brokenness here, buddy. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, what I would encourage, you know, has there been abuse in her past, um, you know, is, is she attracted to to men at all? I mean, you know, some women are asexual. I hear that all the time. Wow. Just not interested. Just and that's a terrible thing to find out after after you're married. That's something you need to look at. Because I think another pressure is everybody feels like they have to be sexual 
And not everybody is. Some people are content not having sex. And that's great. Don't get married. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get mm-hmm. married because your spouse has some expectations that there's going to be intimacy, um, you know, um, you know, and, and you need to do that. And so I, I feel like I'm completely messing up now, all the advice here because because <laughs> what I'm doing is I'm reading in my issues and, and what I'm thinking. Right, and we don't really know to what extent yeah. the sin against the marriage is. We don't know if she is participating in this. I think it was good that you yeah. said, you know, if there is, Jesus does give us an out yeah. in this. And yeah. he does, you know, if there is infidelity I, you know, we don't we don't really know until we hear her side of whatever might be going. I just found it odd that they seemingly had this. I don't know if she's had sex before. I'm just saying because I, I have the reason why I'm saying that yeah. is because most that I people that I've interacted with who are having issues sexually in their marriage, it's because they have some expectation from something that they've done in their past right. or something, someone else that they had been with before. Mm-hmm. If she has not, or maybe they just didn't have sex, I'm not sure. Yeah, right. Um, and just so you know, um, you know, again, this is this is this is just such the huge problem with the feminist movement that women are equal to men, and so women are equal to men in value. But you are a woman, and that is different absolutely. from me as a man. And 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 women, uh, p- part of the challenge with women when they act like men, and this is what I always tell women. Uh, men are not the goal. Right. God is the goal. Right. You are to be like God, not like me. Good God, you've just sold yourself way mm-hmm. short. Um, when women have sex with multiple men, they struggle bonding. Right. Mm-hmm. They, God has made sex as something, uh, especially in a woman's sexuality, a woman bonds in two ways. One is through orgasm with um, her partner, and the other is breastfeeding with her child. Mm-hmm. There's actually a chemical that is released in the brain that says, I care and love for this person yes. in a unique way. In a uni- th- This child is uniquely mine. In the same way, when a woman has sex with her husband or, or a man, I am with this man in a unique way. The problem is when you, for a woman, you know, guys are just terrible. They can have <laughs> sex with anybody and not feel bonded. And again, ladies, just because he'll sleep with you doesn't mean he's bonded with Correct. you. It's different. Right. Guys are wired differently. It's not an excuse. Right. It's just a reality. Um but it, it, women who have multiple sex partners struggle with satisfaction in their marriage right. and bonding in their marriage right. because God's made you different. Right. And um, and we need to tell that to our to our young people. And so I think that's a great question yeah, so, that I did not see. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Is there something that is not bonded because yeah. of her past sexual relationship? So now she can't find that in her yeah. husband. Yeah. I mean, we're you know, guessing. We don't know. We don't know. We're guessing. So, so yeah, what I would say, praying everybody. Praying for you, David. Yes. Continue in... in uh, in in soul care, absolutely. In therapy and in couples therapy, if she's willing to go, hopefully she's getting individual therapy as well so that she yeah. can kind of figure out what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Awesome. Jeez. Woof. Woof. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for that thanks. one. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. love your marriage I wonder if, questions. I wonder if therapists feel that way, like after a session, they're like, yeah, I just tweaked that person. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know, Maybe you some sometimes therapists. you don't, yeah. you don't know. Yeah. I felt so good about my advice until the end. Really? Yeah, I was like, I was like, man, I'm killing it. And then I was like, oh, I just, this is. No, I don't. I, I know, but you, you have <laughs> to say that. You have to say it was good. You know? It was bad. No, it wasn't bad. Thank you. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. There's just too many unknowns. Yes. No. See, that, that was good wisdom. That was good wisdom. There's just too many why unknowns. Did, why didn't you share that before the question? I'm sorry. Next yeah. time. Yes. Yeah. I think there's just. What's too- his name? 
His name is David. David, sorry if we screwed you up, buddy. We love you. <laughs> we love you, Dave. We're praying for you. And you're, there's just too many. There's a lot of unknowns here. So it's kind of hard. I, ew. Yeah. We came. We saw. We failed. We failed. <laughs> So, are we cutting this part out? <laughs> no, you can't, no, this is real. This is real. This is real. Yes. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of unknowns here, and and um, see now you know how I feel I after every sermon. Yeah, like, I walk off stage. I'm like, that was great. I get in the car. I'm like, I don't know. How, well, and then you have so many people listening and interpreting what you said, mm-hmm. and so you're not really sure. Yeah, how they took that or whatever. Like the just like Jesus question. I was like, yes, just like I Jesus. Know. Other people were pissed that you said right. just, oh, like, dude, me, just like Jesus. Welcome to our world. Yeah. David, we love you. Yes. You're awesome. Welcome to the debrief. Destroying Welcome mind debrief. one question <laughs> at a time. <laughs> All right, let's get to this one. This is a really good one. And I think it's going to bring a lot of, you know, this is a new concept that many of us have never heard. Ephesians 2.15. It says, Anne from France. Ooh, okay, Anne. Dude, welcome to Sandals Church. Global. Yes, we're so glad you're here. Pastor Matt, can you explain what Paul means in Ephesians 2.15 when he says that he might create in himself one new man in mm. place of the two? So making peace. What is Paul talking about when he says one new man? Yeah, man, thank you. Man, the French coming in hot. I love that, man. <laughs> so, so here's the thing is, um, you know, Anne from France, I'm assuming she's French. And so, so national identity, ethnic identity is a huge part of how we see ourselves. Uh, nowadays, sexual identity really trumps even that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, like so a gay black person would say they're gay first over being, being black. black. Um, as Christians... What trumps our identity, our sexual identity, and our uh, ethnic identity is our identity in Christ. So that's what changes. And so, you know, you, you see this really only in the Catholic Church. Um, you know, they, they will terminate, uh, move to terminate a priest who says, I'm a gay priest. And and their issue with that is, no, 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 you're a priest of Jesus. Mm. That That is your identity. And so regardless of where you fall on, on the gay issue, what the Catholic Church is trying to say is that in Christ, we are a new creation. Um, you know, like, for example, so if you're an alcoholic and you go to AA, I would say, hi, my name is Matt. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, a lot of Christian rehab organizations have a problem with that because mm-hmm. in Christ, it's not your sin that identifies right. you, but it's your redemption that identifies you. And so they don't like that. I understand that we there, that there there is some beauty in saying I have a problem, but it's not your your identity is not your your you're an alcoholic. Your identity is not that you're black. Your identity is not that Correct. you are gay. You're as a Christian, your identity is found in Christ. in Christ. And so here's the thing that's so bizarre about identity: we don't identify ourselves by ourselves, like. Like as a right. little girl, you don't look at yourself and say, I'm black. You you looked at others and you went, oh. I'm the same color as them. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same color as them. Mm-hmm. So, and so same thing with sexuality. So that's what's so bizarre. And so I want everyone that's listening to think about that. Hmm. We do not find our identity by looking within. That's good. We yeah. find our identity to looking without. Okay, so let's go to Genesis chapter one. God created them male and female in his own image and in his own likeness, yeah. he created them. So the first chapter in the Bible says that our identity must come from Christ because we cannot identify ourselves. So I have to look to God for that. So now what's the issue? I I said earlier, we're going to talk about whom he predestined. And here's why so many Christians, here's why we've created Ephesians chapter one into a Calvinism versus Arminianism Mm -hmm. argument. And you're like, who's that? (laughs) Two white dudes, (laughs) two European white dudes, um, you know, uh, from the 16th century, we're arguing, has God chosen Donna mm-hmm. before the foundations of the world to be saved? 
is there anything that Donna can do to prevent that? Right. And so they looked at Ephesians chapter one and they said, no, because Donna has been chosen. Mm -hmm. These are two white dudes in Europe who are missing the who are missing the racial component mm -hmm. to Ephesians chapter mm -hmm. one. Who has God chosen? Us. Who is the us in Ephesians one? Jews and Gentiles. Yeah, that's different good. ethnicities. And so here's what Calvinists are missing. Um, they're missing the fact that God has not predestined you as an individual, but he has predestined that he would not just choose a people for himself, but all people. And how are we chosen? Those are chosen who choose Christ. Mm. This predestination comes to us through Christ. And so that's what we need to know. And so much of the predestination argument is missed on the racial tension in the early church. We have no idea. Like, um, you're black, I'm white, but we probably eat very similar foods. We live a very similar lifestyle. Mm -hmm. There is far more like you and I than there would have been if you were a Jew and I was a Gentile or I was a Gentile and you were a Jew. We would have eaten differently, yeah, separately. Um, you know, so racism in America, right? So that was forced um, on us because of government, right? And so, but 2,000 years ago, it was it was individual. It would have been like, Jews would have been like blacks in the South saying, no, I won't eat with you whites. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm pointing to you. <laughs> that was weird. But, so, so, but, but there was racism. They didn't eat together. They right. didn't associate together. Like, um, I, I have a good friend of mine. Uh, he's in India and man, he's so sweet, but he told me he got beat by his grandmother with a stick one time. And it was because he was playing with a child from a different class. Wow. And she said she had to beat the stench off him. Wow, wow. We have no idea. Same ethnicity. Right. Different, different religious yeah. class. Mm -hmm. And he said it scarred him for life. And it's one of the things that led him to Jesus. He's like, mm. that can't be right. Right. <laughs> I'm playing with this little friend. But so Jews and Gentiles did not associate with each other. Jews thought Gentiles were gross disgusting. They didn't wash their hands. Right. They, didn't clean. they slept with whoever they wanted. They ate pigs. They ate pigs, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, man, I mean, it's just, you know, and, hmm. and that's, that's hard for us. Like in, in my small group, I have a Muslim gal and she won't eat marshmallows. Did we talk about this on the debrief? She won't I eat marshmallows. Know. I didn't know this. Did you guys know marshmallows are made with pig fat? Oh, wow. I, who knew my whole <laughs> life? I've been living a lie. My entire life. I thought marshmallows were candy. Turns out pig guts, pig fat. They won't eat it. And now we're all scarred. Yeah, I know. We're all scarred. So just think about that. You're chewing lard oh, stop. in that marshmallow, right? Okay. Yeah. Rice Krispie Treats just Oh, man. Right. Oh, my favorite, my favorite food. Usually they're gluten-free, too. I know. And that's why I want, I, I want them. But the, she, she said, you know, so a, a religious Muslim will not eat that. Wow. Because it's made with pig fat. So so think about, you know, they won't eat together. They won't, And now they got to share the Lord's table, the Lord's yeah. Supper, which didn't used to be a cracker and juice. Mm-hmm. Was a meal. A whole meal, yeah. What do we serve? You know, um, it, so you too, before the foundations of the earth, That's even so though good. you're a Jew and you're a Gentile, you know, even though you don't eat pigs and you do, even though you sleep with whoever, I mean, Gentiles wrestle naked. <laughs> Like that's what the Olympics was. Can yeah. you imagine going to a wrestling match and watching two naked dudes? Absolutely Like not. Jews would have been <laughs> abhorred by right. that. Um, you know, mm. Jews wouldn't go to the gymnasium. They wouldn't go. You know, we think about the Olympics. We're like, oh, it's patriotic. The Jews were like, it's demonic. Mm. So remember our Halloween comment? Yeah. Jews would have thought the Olympics were demonic. That is gross. Yeah. Um, and now all of a sudden, 
God has taken you two and he has made the two one. How? By Jesus Christ. And remember the text, he has killed the hostility between you. That is so powerful. Right, right. But then we come to America and because of slavery. So so why do we have black church? Why do we have white church? Because of slavery. It has nothing to do with the Bible it had to do with the fact that they were they were not living out the truth of scripture and so instead of being convicted of the way that they lived they then put Separated. that in the church hmm. they put that and and so slave owners wanted um you know they're you know cuz there are some verses in the bible about submitting to your master they want that right, right. you know but they didn't want yeah did you, have you ever seen the slave bible no oh there's did you guys know that there's a slave bible i actually it was the, it was the most fascinating thing i saw uh, in the uh, Bible Museum in Washington, D.C. It's edited. Wow. You want to know what verse of the Bible is not in it? Or what book? Guess. Exodus. <laughs> it's not there. Wow. Because you, you don't want slaves knowing that God set, get, God set, set them, slaves yeah. free, wow. right? No. So there's all these verses that have been edited out of this Bible. It's a real Bible. So it's the Bible they handed the yes. slaves, not the slaves. Yes, here's, yeah. the, here's the book you get to you get to preach from. Right, because we don't want you to understand the liberating power of Jesus. Wow. Philemon, mm-hmm. not in it. Wow. So what? What is what is the book of Philemon? It's about a runaway slave. Mm-hmm. He said he left basically as your property, but he's returning as a brother. Mm-hmm. I love this is the greatest line in the Bible. I, I could tell you what to do, but I'm not going to do it. But you should do it because you owe me your very soul. <laughs> right? I mean, you thought your parents gave guilt trip. Man, the apostle Paul just took a guilt trip. Like, yeah. like he's like hey, Philemon, you owe me your soul. Yeah. So you better treat Philemon because now he's coming back to you and, and he's going to work even harder and even better because he's your brother in Christ. Mm-hmm. And just to remind you, Philemon, you have a master mm-hmm. and his name is Jesus. So all of those things were out of it. So, so much of, of our uh, racial division in the church has nothing to do with scripture. It had to do with the fact that, you know, people in America own people specifically because of the color of their skin. That's what makes slavery unique in America. Everywhere else it's practiced, but it, it was, you know, I mean, it's just, if, if you got conquered and think about slavery, you you couldn't conquer people of different colors because you, you couldn't get there. Right. Like, like yeah. who, who are you going to conquer? Right. People that look just like you. And so that's what makes the American version so grotesque is it's, it, it was based upon the, the color of skin. Whereas for most of human history, it was just whoever you can conquer right. and, and enslave. So Paul is saying, you two who were against each other. So so a Jew would have said, thank God. So think of, of the person um, at the altar. He says, thank God I'm not like that tax collector. Mm-hmm. I'm a Jew. I'm, I'm chosen. Mm-hmm. I am God's mm-hmm. beloved. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I, I'm special. I'm unique. And so much of anti-Semitism is rooted in that, mm-hmm. right? We don't like chosen people. We mm-hmm. don't like special people. And we certainly don't want to hear about it. Right? <laughs> yeah, <don't tell laughs> you us. know I mean? So, um, but that's what anti-Semitism is rooted in. Um, you know, a lot of people think that's why uh, Muhammad wrote his scripture. He's mm. like, wait a minute, the Arabs don't have a God, mm. you know? And so, and it's, why is that? Because Christians failed to reveal to the Arabs who God was. Yeah. So God, here's the perversion of the gospel. It becomes Roman, who are Romans, predominantly white, except for, uh, oh, what's his name? Severus Septimus, um, the guy that conquered, uh, mm-hmm. the black guy that conquered uh, England. What's his first name? Oh, man, I can't go. Not Claudius. Uh, who's the evil guy? Not Malfoy. 
Oh, I, they're all his names like Harry Potter names. Sorry, <laughs> all the witchcraft stuff. Huh? Severus. Severus. Yes, yeah, Severus Septimus. But um, uh, Severus Septimus. But but it becomes Lucius. it, huh? Lucius. Lucius thank oh, you, Lucius, Lucius Malfoy. That's what it was. So Lucius uh, Severus Septimus. But the vast majority of them were white, and then it became Western. Uh, and and so it, the whole thing just got perverted because we all interpret the Bible through our own culture. Mm. So here's the beauty. So she's French. Think about the animosity between the French and the Germans or the French and the English. Mm-hmm. Hate each other for thousands of years. Uh, like if anybody wants to know why English is such a jack language, thank our friend from France because, mm-hmm. you know, they came in. Um, what were they called? The... No, no, no. The the, uh, the Normans, the Norman invasion. So, so like, so in in England, they spoke French for a period of time, and so a lot of English words that are high class or French sounding, mm-hmm. uh, and low class are are more English mm-hmm. because it created two separate cultures in England. So there was tension, right? They hate each other. They they hate that. And so the beauty of the gospel is it takes French and English, it takes French and German, it takes black and white, it takes Jew and Gentile, and he creates one man. Yeah. Through the two. I feel like we should be so good at this. Yeah. Like as believers, know. you know, like it, to me, that is like the most beautiful thing. Right. Um, it just gets grips my heart, but we are so divided over the, because we, I think because we have put the first point you've said, yeah. we put our identity in things that are not Christ. Right. And then we use those things to divide yeah. against each other. I, I feel like and we should be so good at this at at he's removed the hostility like we're all one in Christ that- but i don't think it means and here's where i think we get it twisted i so like you know um galatians uh for there for in christ there is no longer male no, mm-hmm, no more female mm-hmm, no more right. jew no more gentile for we're all one in the body of christ he doesn't mean that you're not black right. he doesn't mean that you're not a woman black becomes little b woman right. becomes little w C becomes it, it becomes the most important right. thing. Correct. And so, um, and so, you know, and so here's here's where I think the church has gotten it backwards. You know, we should be colorblind. No, I, mm-hmm. I mean, God sees color. Right. He created it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, I crack up when I went to Ireland for the first time. You know, I didn't know there were shades of white. Like it goes from like <laughs> it goes from like my color white, all, white. olive skin to translucent, <laughs> dude. There are white people in Ireland that if the sun hit them directly. They, they just gone. I'm telling you. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, Translucent. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> almost like a purple haze. It's it. Beca- wow. it, go- it goes almost to purple. Like it's yeah. like this purple glow because you can see their veins. Mm-hmm. So, um, and if you're super white, I love you. So, but yeah. But um. But yeah. So so right. So you got a bunch of white dudes arguing over who is chosen, and because they're white dudes, because they're European, mm. they fail to see that what's really at the heart of Ephesians 1 and 2 is racism and mm. reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And you see this in Romans. Go to Romans 9, 10, and 11. It's all about reconciliation, mm-hmm. what God is doing to uh, Gentiles. He is bringing us together. And Paul will say, even barbarians. So he goes he goes beyond uh, Gentiles. He says, Jews, Gentiles, and even barbarians, right? Even the peoples that can, we don't even understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Christ has made them one. Mm. Um, and that's the beauty of like my own people. Um, you know, St. Patrick, like everybody thinks that means you get drunk, but what St. Patrick did was right. He was a Roman slave who became a priest. 
who had a burden for his people. Mm -hmm. So we don't think of the Irish people as savages, right? Um, we don't think of the English people as savages, but that's what we were. Like we're eating our own children, sacrificing, you know, kids to the stars. Like it was backwards pagan um, because we're an island culture. And I don't know if you guys knew this. There's a great book by Thomas Sowell that talks about how nations go backwards. Isolation is always the number one issue. What were the British Isles? Mm -hmm. Isolated. So St. Patrick comes and he shares the gospel. Mm -hmm. Stop eating your children. Stop sacrificing your kids. Stop doing these things. There's a God who loves you. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he's known for driving out the snakes. And I, and there's no snakes in Ireland. It's too dang cold. But what he drove out was, was witchcraft and, mm -hmm. and demonic understanding and darkness. Mm -hmm. And he changed a culture. He changed a people. And that was beautiful. Then Catholics and the Protestants came in, right? And we started killing each other in mm -hmm. God's name because we failed to understand what God did. So, so yeah. here's, so, and, and even like, um, I was uh, trying to buy, um, a water softener yesterday. And so Fernando was my, um, salesman and he's Mexican. He told me, he said, I'm Mexican. I was like, that's great. I said, do you believe in God? Mm -hmm. Um, cause I'm just straight up now. I invite yeah. <laughs> everybody to church. I don't care anymore. Nobody goes to church anymore. Like if you're going to talk to me, people want to talk politics. You. I talk God. Yeah. <laughs> I said, do you go to church? He said, I believe in God. I said, that's not what I asked you. I said, do you go to church? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, I'm Catholic. See two mm -hmm. men, mm -hmm. Catholic Protestant. Yeah. So no, no, no. God didn't make us Catholic. God didn't make us Protestant. He made us one. Mm -hmm. Do you, I said, what do you believe about Jesus? Do, do you worship Jesus? Mm -hmm. He said, oh, my wife's very Catholic. I said, that's not what I asked you. Yeah. Because because Catholicism doesn't unify, it divides. Sandalism right. doesn't unify, it divides. Um, you know, man, remember that, remember last week, that girl that I talked about that um, she texted me about what her boyfriend did. Mm -hmm. and yeah. So she said, I listened to your message this week. She said, I can't go to Sandals anymore because he goes there. She said, can you tell me a good church where I live? You know what I said? Absolutely. And I gave her the name of mm -hmm, another church. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we're one. That's right. We, we worship in different buildings. And I said, tell pastor so-and-so. I said, hello. Mm -hmm. It breaks my heart, but I'm proud of her mm -hmm. because she is breaking free from an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. You want to know why they didn't come to church last week? They got in a fight. I said, girl, the problem ain't beer. No. Here's what my grandma said. You know what alcohol brings out? Whatever was it within. So, yeah. Well, me too. Yeah, right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, so, so I don't just try to, and, and it's part of the, you know, part of the struggle at Sandals Church. People don't understand why this vision for 500 churches, mm. because I worship the God of the big C church, the big C. So the campus that you go to was in bankruptcy. Right. They, they couldn't pay their bills. Correct. Sandals Church bought that church out of bankruptcy. Why? Well, that's what God did for us. Mm -hmm. He did for us what we could not afford. I, I mean, my leadership team said, you're crazy. Why, why would you spend $2 million on San Bernardino. Mm -hmm. why, why would God spill the blood of his son for me? Mm -hmm. You know, and I had some, some woke staff <laughs> that, that, that advised me to not do that. And we're so glad you did. Amen. Well, well because the Lord, the Lord, the Lord called me to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's why I'm super excited about our giving Tuesday coming up. We're going to invest even more in that yeah. community. Um, because th that's what I see that the world does. Politicians take from poor people. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they make promises, but it's a bad deal. Mm -hmm. What I wanted to do as a church is, is, is I wanted to invest yeah. and, uh, and we love that community. That's why I love what you guys do at the joy company because you're investing. But, but that's the thing is, is if, if you can stop just seeing yourself as French mm -hmm. and I'm not saying you're not French, I'm not saying you don't speak the French, but, but, and start seeing yourself as a Christian first, because I don't see myself as married. I'm first a Christian. Then I'm a husband. Mm -hmm. 
And I have to filter it that way because if I filter as a husband first, man, I, I got, you know, I got some frustrations. <laughs> but, but if I filter as a, as a Christian first, man, I have grace for Tammy. I have an appreciation for Tammy. Um, I, I love Tammy with, with eyes that I cannot have. Remember our first week, Jesus gives you a different lens to see the world. As a Christian, he gives me a different lens. Um, and, and, and I need to see that and understand that. And, and that's what it means. He's, Jesus didn't just die to save us from our sins. He, he died to save us from our separation and, and racism and, and hatred for one another. And he gave us a deep, deep love for one another, even if we look different. Yeah. Even if we, we believe different. Um, you that's know, it's, good. it's, yeah, sorry. No, that was, that was great. I feel like we did better on that one. Than I the think Washers. it was, no, I think that's really good. I love this. Yeah. Uh, so I attended the service this weekend about anxiety and peace, and I've been coming to it to church for at least six months and the change in me is showing. Oh, praise God. In the message, I took what was said and did my best to be at peace, but I can't forget your words about being gay. Mm. I did not choose to be this way and I did all I could 38 years ago to change. Mm. I, I'm a born and raised Catholic, but I could never find peace, but I am by, oh, uh, this is a typo, but I'm attending church now. I'm scared, confused, and not sure what to do. I almost walked out of the service, but I stayed because in the last 38 years, Jesus has not failed me. Amen. Mm. I failed him, but I'm doing everything I can daily to meet his grace. How am I supposed to continue my life at Sandals if I'm a lesbian? Yeah, Susan's her name, right? Suzanne. Yeah, thank you, Suzanne. Uh, first of all, I just want to commend you that you didn't walk out. Yeah. I think our culture... As soon as we hear something we don't like, our instantaneous response is to bail. And I think that's why we were becoming dumber as a culture, mm -hmm. because we don't listen to what someone who we disagree with has to say. And, um, you know, what I would say is, Suzanne, A, thank you for being brave. Thank you for sitting there. And whenever I share something like that, I'm always concerned about people uh, who are gay and how it's going to land uh, with them personally. So what I would just say is I'm grateful that God has been doing great things in your life. I think she said that she's been attending Sandals and experienced peace. For about six months, yeah. Yeah, and, for about six uh -huh. months. So here's what I would share with you, um, Suzanne, is is what you're experiencing is the gospel unhindered. Um, mm. You're experiencing what we call in the church is the full gospel. Um, what I would say to you is, you know, whether she said she was born gay, no, she said she was born and raised Catholic. Okay. And all 38 years ago, she tried to change. Okay, yeah, she tried to change. Again, so I'm not asking you to change your sexuality. What I'm asking you to change is how you have sex. It's a very, very different thing. Same thing for us as heterosexuals. Um, just because we have desires doesn't mean that we act on them. Mm -hmm. And so here's what I would, would say to you is sex matters to God for two reasons. Number one, because when a man and a woman have sex together, they become one like God. That's one of the things most people miss when they read Genesis 1. God created them male and female in his own image. So God, who is he according to the Shema? Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, the Lord your God am one. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, Elohim is plural and Echad it one. Mm -hmm. so, so one of the things that we learn about uh, the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. So this is what a Jew prays every single day, is he is one and yet plural. In Genesis chapter one, how did he create humanity plural and yet one? Yeah. He created them in the male context of marriage, That's male good. and female. So as a Christian, we reflect God's oneness in sex 
in the context of a committed relationship. Um, I call that marriage, right? So a committed relationship, not just you two held hands and winked at each other, you know, at, um, at a drive-in, but you actually sat down. Uh, do people even go to drive-ins anymore? That, I, just, I just dated myself. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as old people do. Um, but you actually, you know, you know, had a ceremony saying, okay, I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. committing to you. You're committing to me. And that's just super important um, because all unity comes from commitment. Like we, we, without commitment, there is no unity. And then the second reason, uh, Suzanne, is that sex makes us like God in that we can create life. Mm-hmm. So for as Christians, a lot of people don't understand why sex matters. So what the world says, sex is just sex. For Okay, for the world, that's fine. For Christians, sex is an act of worship, and it's a reflection of who we are in God. And so what we do as Christians is we choose to exercise this powerful thing within the context of what's obedient to God. So you said, I've been gay. So here's what we need to know about our sex drive. There's part of our sex drive that can reflect God, and there's part of our sex drive that reflects nature. Nature is animalistic. Mm -hmm. Um, The part of us that reflects God is, is heaven. And so we have to choose... Am I going to be like an animal that just follows my passions, that follows my pursuits, mm-hmm. or am I going to be like God and exercise them in the way that he says? Uh, many churches are compromising on this, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think it's a mistake. So here's what I'll tell you, Susan, uh, Suzanne. There is no passage of Scripture that approves uh, sex between um, people of the same gender. It, it is not in there. Um, matter of fact, the, the absolute opposite mm-hmm. is in there. My friends who are gay call these the clobber passages. Um, and, and so in some way that diminishes them or, um, you know, gets rid of them. But, but here's what I would say as somebody who loves you, a, I love you. You're welcome in our church. I would say, keep coming to church. Mm-hmm. Here's what you need to know about Jesus. For all of us, there's going to be an initial level of peace. We sit with Jesus. We hear the teachings of Jesus. Jesus's teaching didn't just bless the people that followed him. It blessed the people who heard from him. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I, I want to be like this guy. I want to be around this guy. And then there comes a point where we come to a crossroads and go to the next level of peace, to go to the next level of understanding. We have to choose our desires or God's calling. And this is in different places for all of us. For the Jews, to our last question, it was like, I got to eat pork. Mm-hmm. Peter says, I've never in my entire life eaten anything unclean. And the Lord says, yeah, you're (laughs) going to enjoy that cricket, right? So, um, I mean, right, and we're like gross. And so, but but Peter has to do that. Peter has to make that change. Um, So the, the modern arguments for the acceptance of gay marriage in the church really goes back to Acts chapter 15, And what they say is because the Jews had to accept Gentiles and their practices, the next movement is we have to accept gays and their marriage. Here's the thing. Go back to Acts 15 and look at what James says. He says, let the the Gentiles in, but they cannot sacrifice Mm -hmm. to idols. They cannot drink blood and they must stay stay away from sexual promiscuity. Mm -hmm. The word is porneia. It is a general word. It doesn't just mean porn. Okay. But porn... Porn is sexual sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means all things non-covenantal uh, sex between a husband and a wife in a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. They must mm-hmm. abstain from that. So for James, he's like, look, dude, we're going to eat crickets. We're going to have some bacon. We are not going to compromise our sexual identity because it goes back to Genesis 1. It's part of who we are. And so here's what I would say is, um, and I don't know if you're in a relationship, 
you know, I don't know if you're married. We have, we have gay women uh, at this church who are married and they're like, what do we do? And here's my issue. They have kids. So we have two sins. We have the sin of divorce and they have kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. If they didn't have kids. I wouldn't have advised, advised this to them. I said, you need to live together because they adopted like three kids. Mm -hmm. You need to raise those children as sisters, mm -hmm. sleep in different rooms, in different areas of the house. And, and here's the thing. I was like, you can fool me. You can trick me. Right. On judgment day, it's all coming out. That's right. It's all coming out. So, and I, and I love them. And, uh, one of the wives was willing and one was not right. One had a higher sex drive than the other. Right. So, so based on our sex drive, these things are more difficult. Some mm -hmm. people are like, yeah, like if you're asexual, you're like, I'm in, like, mm -hmm. it doesn't bother you. But if you're hypersexual, this is going to be a bigger challenge. Just like for some of us, man, um, you know, uh, you never hear gluttony preached on in the church. It's right. in there. Right. Literally in the Old Testament, wherever you see gluttony, do you know what word is right next to it? Drunkenness. Hmm. What in my church, Southern Baptist, we preach against drinking. We're the fattest <laughs> church on earth, man. You know, I mean, it, I'm telling you. And so they literally just focused on one issue and not both issues. And so it's indulging. Mm -hmm. Your body is the temple of the Lord. You were bought with a price. Take care of your body. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I worship God. This is. I'm pointing at myself if you're listening to the car. This is his temple. This is the place where he dwells. Yeah. And so um, I, I, I'm i not going to ask God to unite with something that he's against. Yeah. That's not right because I'm not just my own. I'm his. So what I would say is just keep coming to church and keep praying about it. And just say this, Suzanne, God, if you are convicting me, because because there's one, I, I could be wrong. So let's say I'm wrong. God, if, if Pastor Matt's wrong, show me. If I'm wrong, mm -hmm. God, show, show me. me. Yeah. Um, and then and then make this commitment to whatever the Lord reveals to you, you will do. Mm -hmm. Because Christianity, man, you, everyone listening, gay, straight, young, old, short, tall, fat, thin, your next breakthrough is learning to die to yourself. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, right? That, so what she's saying is this is who I am, mm -hmm. himself. Um my sexuality becomes a small s, just like for, for you being black, small b, me being white, right. small w, you being a woman, small w, me being a man, small man. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those things have to become secondary. They don't disappear. Um, you know, this is why I don't like, uh, you know, the pray the gay away stuff. I, man, that stuff is just, I, I'm just like, you know, I, I mean, if you don't want to be gay, because I've had guys tell me, man, I don't want to be gay. So we'll ask God to change it. Yeah. But if he doesn't, that doesn't mean doesn't love you. It, it just, this is your cross. Mm -hmm. If any man or woman would come after me, let them deny themselves and pick up their cross and follow me. Um, I'll just tell you, here's my cross. I hate, capital H, hate all, all the opinions that people get to have about my life. Mm -hmm. I hate it with a passion. My life is my business. I don't give a crap what you think. <laughs> Yeah. But I, but I, that's my cross. Yeah. I've, I've had to die to it. I've, I've had to die to the fact that people get to say, people get opinions about what I drive, how I look, what I say. Um, I've had to, I've had to die to that every day as a pastor. I hate it. I loathe it. It's hard for me every day. It never goes away. There's always a Matt Brown hater. I just told somebody, um, this week I said, the people that hate Matt Brown, the line is long, but it is distinguished. <laughs> There's some important people that don't like, that don't like me. Um, 
and that's okay. Um, but it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Absolutely. And not everything in the Christian life is easy. Um, but the peace that you have with 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 God was not easy. Mm-hmm. Christ died. He died for you. Um, Christ lived a sinless. Listen to me, everyone. Listen to me, and a sexless life. Yeah. He never enjoyed the intimacy with a woman or a man, ever. Never did. He never did. And and he calls us in the book of Matthew. He said, the life I live is difficult. He said, some men are eunuchs by birth. So they're born with a penis or testicles that are they, that don't work. And, and why do I? Because in the ancient world, women's sexuality was hardly considered. Mm-hmm. That's one of the blind sides of... Uh, Judaism. So it's being a lesbian is not mentioned anywhere in the Bible. Did you know that until Romans chapter one? Wow. Cause it, it wasn't a Jewish issue. Now I'm not saying there weren't Jewish women that were gay, but it wasn't talked about. Right. Um, but when they go into the Gentile culture and that's why so many people say, well, Jesus never addressed it. Jesus is preaching to Jews. Mm-hmm. That was not an issue where they were confused. Mm-hmm. Um, th- you know, it that homosexual sex was considered Gentile sex. Behavior. Yeah. That was, that, that was separate, just like pork. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying a Jewish guy didn't ever like take a slice of bacon, but <laughs> it was, it was not a cultural thing that was done. Um, Jesus says some are born eunuchs, some become eunuchs because, uh, you know, a, in, in the Roman world, a lot of slaves, like if they worked with your wives, you cut their testicles mm-hmm. off so that you trusted them with their wives. Um, and some, he says, have become so for the sake of the kingdom. Now, you cannot cut your balls off if you're a guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, then this is, and again, if you're transgender, Cutting off your genitalia is a sin against God because your genitalia is a gift from God and it is a part of your body. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is not saying we do this. What he's saying is we have cut ourselves off from some of our sexual desires for the sake of the kingdom of God. The disciples say, who can do this then? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, I know it's tough, mm-hmm. but that's the road he walked. And so, you know, if you're gay or if you're single or if you're divorced and man, you know, our, our sexual desires are usually not like God. They're, they're more like our animal instinct. Um, and, and we have to fight against that. But just remember, you're Jesus. He walked that road. Yeah. He didn't abstain from sex for one night. He did every night. He was alone. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, he, and, he, and he lived sexually free um, so that you could be sexually free. Mm-hmm. Because he, he didn't come to earth to have sex and create children. Mm-hmm. He came to earth for God's children and he came to earth for you. And, and, and that's difficult for a lot of us. And so here's what I would say, Suzanne. Um, I'm sorry that it caught you by surprise. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to encourage you. You say you're Catholic. Okay. Just start reading your Bible. Just, just start reading your Bible. Start in Matthew, go to Revelation. The Old Testament is far more challenging to understand because it's thousands of years more of history. But, um, you know, and what you're going to hear if you Google it is um, the word homosexual is made up and it doesn't appear in the Bible uh, until 1946. Here's what I want you guys to know. If you're reading in English, none of those words appear in the Bible until they're written in the Bible in English. Because mm-hmm. English is not a language as we understand it until about, what, 16th century? Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist. Right. So all the words in your English Bible are invented words to describe words that were written in Greek. And so the word, uh, so homosexual... You know, people, I don't know if that's a good translation or not translation. The word is arson koitai. It is directly translated from the the, prohib, the prohibitions from 
uh, in Leviticus that say you, men cannot sleep with men. Mm -hmm. And Paul applies that. And so what it means literally is a, a man cannot bed another man. Mm -hmm. That that's, that's what Paul is saying. And so what he's saying is he's not saying you can't be gay. He's saying you, you cannot engage, engage in gay sex, just like as a heterosexual, I am, I am not allowed to engage with sex with, with someone else other than my wife. Mm -hmm. I'm not allowed to engage in pornography and have sex with myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not just sex right. with others. It's sex with myself. I mean, I, I, I don't do that. Um, that's something that, that I, I am to reserve for Tammy. Yeah. It's something that we enjoy. It's a playground that we go to together and it is blessed by God. Look, man, you can have all kinds of fun sex outside of the context of the biblical understanding. But if you want blessed sex... If you want God to bless it, then you need to do it His way, mm -hmm. and and you just got you just got to say, okay, I, I have to choose. It is a fork in the road, mm -hmm. and you know all of our heterosexuals are like, praise God, thank you for taking a stand. You know, we'll put the boat donut down if you're obese and say, okay, this is my this is my crossroads. I I've got to deal with this. I'm not healthy. Mm -hmm. um, some of our, our people are workaholics. Some of our people have been divorced five six times. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You repeatedly jump into relationships and then jump out of them like it's nothing. Right. You are becoming one with someone and then ripping your soul apart. Um, you know, it's one of the things I loved about the Harry Potter series that I think a lot of Christians miss is that Voldemort, what makes him so evil is the tearing apart of his soul. Mm -hmm. He's divided his soul into seven categories and he is soulless, mm -hmm. godless, mm -hmm. evil. And this is why Jesus says what God has joined together, yeah. let no man mm -hmm. tear apart. Because when we do that, it's painful, it is awful, and it is hard. And uh, I just had a guy tell me this yesterday, he's married. He says, no one tells you how hard marriage was. I was like, well, you don't go to church. They tell you in, in church <laughs> how hard marriage is. Um, I, but it's worth it. It's so worth it for, you know, Tammy and I to hang in there. And it's And we don't just like, suck it up and just, we, we work through our differences mm -hmm. and we, sometimes we fight mm -hmm. through them and, and we, and we, and we battle through them for the sake of our marriage. Yeah. What I care about more than Tammy, what I care about more than me is our marriage. Mm -hmm. And I try to honor that because Hebrews 13 says, God will judge those who dishonor, listen to this, the marriage bed. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and so some people will say, well, he didn't say sex, but like, if I tell Tammy, let's go to bed, what do you think I mean? Yeah. Right. No, what do you think right. I mean? Sex. Yeah, there we we're, go. That's right. what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so what people do is they say, well, that's not the literal word. It's like, well, that's what Paul means. Mm -hmm. When he's saying two dudes shouldn't go to bed right. together, right. What, what he means is he's saying, um, he's saying you shouldn't do that. Uh, but there's only one there's only one scripture, uh, Suzanne, in the entire Bible that speaks to uh female and female relationships, and it's in Romans one. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, and I and I'm telling you, I, I've looked at the Greek, I don't know how many times I've done this. Look, you got to do theological pretzels. Yeah. The, the clear meaning is men and men should not have sex together. Right. Women and women should, should not have sex together. It is not speaking to pedophilia. It is right. not speaking to a person of power and a slave. It is two equal men and mm -hmm. two equal women. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you consent. If you are a Christian, the way God wants you to express your sexual desires is in the context of marriage. And for some people, like Suzanne, she said, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Then what you need to do is be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. It's difficult. But what we are talking about, Suzanne, is this. It's eternal life. Yeah. Paul says those who practice sex 
gay sex will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's one of the clobber passages. Susanna, I don't love you if I don't tell you that. Mm -hmm. And any pastor that ignores that, right. I, years ago, I, I met with one of the LGBTQ affirming um, uh, churches in Riverside. Uh, the pastor's name was Tammy. She's actually a really, really sweet lady. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't meet with me because she thought I was just going to come in and yell at her, which, you know, it's gross. It's homophobic, mm -hmm. whatever. And I met with her. Here's what she asked me. She said, what if you're wrong, pastor? Mm -hmm. And you were denying people like Suzanne love, affection, and physical intimacy. I said, if I'm wrong, I think God will reward them on the day of judgment because they were being obedient to something that was beyond what God called them to do. And right. I think he'll bless them mm -hmm. for that. Absolutely. And then I asked Pastor Tammy, I said, what if you're wrong? And what if Paul is right? And what if all the people in your church that you've said God blesses this find out that yeah. it, wasn't blessed, it wasn't blessed and Paul, the apostle Paul was right. And those who continue to do this, what are you going to say to your church? Right forever right. that you misled them. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing, Suzanne, uh, Pastor Tammy thinks she knows better than Paul. Mm -hmm. I don't. Mm -hmm. I do not. Paul knew Jesus face to face. Even the apostles who walked with Jesus, Peter, James, John, all those guys were like, yeah, Paul, Paul, he knows what he's talking about. And so yeah, a lot of people dismiss Paul mm -hmm. because they don't like what Paul has to say. But, but I, you know, Suzanne, I want you to inherit eternal life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's my goal for you. And I'm so sorry that you, you felt hurt, wounded, whatever. Just know I love you. And, mm -hmm. and if anything I said came off homophobic, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a man. Um, sometimes, you know, I try to tell my wife I love her and it's offensive. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, I, forgive me for the way I communicated it. What I'm saying is true. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is so good. This is like you know, not just this issue in particular, but you've said it over and over. This is the fork in the road yeah. where are we going to live our lives to follow Jesus, right. to become like Jesus, to follow what the word of God says? Are we going to follow our own passions and our own desires? And each one of us, regardless of if it's gay or if it's, you know, whatever issue that we're dealing with, the we anger, have to, the anger, if Do, it's yeah, racism, if yeah. it's uh, whatever, we have to go, okay, am I going to change because of what the word mm -hmm. of God says, or I'm going to try to change the word of God or just ignore it or pretend. So Suzanne, so brave for sitting yeah. there yes. in that discomfort and, and asking. Um, and I am sure that was jarring for you because you said you were scared and confused, yeah. but no, I'm that, sorry. Yeah. Know that we love you sit with God in this. Like you said, I think that was great. Ask God, Hey, is, if Matt's wrong, tell me if I'm wrong, show me. Yeah. And, and Sandals church. And, um, you know, here's the thing that, that you know, um, the LGBTQ movement used to be about being inclusive. Yeah. But there's no room in what they believe for me. No. It, th there's, I, I, there's no diversity mm -mm. for me. And so what I would say to the gay community is, who's the religious, religiously bigoted organization? I mean, I, am I welcome in your groups? Am I welcome at your... I mean, I, I've been shouted off stage, screamed mm. at, threatened. And that's not every gay person, but... What I'm trying to do as a church is say, hey, everybody's welcome, but here's the call. Yeah. Here, here's the call. And again, Suzanne, this series is called Different. And I have a gay friend um, at Sandals. He's on staff. And I said, what do, you, what do your gay friends think about you? And this is what he said. He said, they think I'm in a cult. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, okay. I mean, in the negative way, no, but in the positive way, yeah. What cult means is different, bizarre, mm -hmm. strange. The Apostle Paul says this, or Peter says this. 
your neighbors think it's strange that you do not engage in the orgies with them. Mm-hmm. Like that was the Roman culture. Like, can you imagine all your neighbors like, hey, we're all going to get together and screw, <laughs> you know, like Tuesday, seven o'clock, you Come know, Mike, you bring the wine, Tammy, you bring the weed, you know, Zach, you bring the, the film equipment. He's the tech guy. Right. And, and, and so for us, that's crazy. But the Christians were did. like, the Christians were like, no, I, yeah, we, don't we don't do, do that, that. Yeah. anymore. You know, well, that was what we did on Tuesday nights. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. so I, I, you know, I can't, I can't do that anymore because my body's been bought with a price. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, and again, you know, I think kids think kids, people think that Christianity's always been the dominant power. It's always been in charge and it just wasn't in this church, Ephesus, they worship the goddess Diana. She's a woman, you know, and I've said with multiple breasts or multiple mm-hmm. testicle sacs, mm-hmm. you know, they engaged in sex right. to, to honor her and worship her. And the church in Ephesus, we're going to get to it in a couple of weeks. And I'm actually, I think the title is going to be different, a different sexuality, but it's going to, he says promiscuity should not even be named mm-hmm. amongst you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm actually going to call for a commitment that week, um, you know, for so many people to, to abstain from porn, yeah. um, to abstain from masturbation, to abstain from sex outside of the context of marriage, because man, that's, that's a line God's drawn in the sand. It's not my line, Suzanne. It's not mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a man. I probably wouldn't. Have, I probably wouldn't have drawn that line, but God did, and it's a line for you. And and we have to decide. We we have to decide. Jesus said, "Narrow is the road that leads to life. Narrow, and there are few yeah. that find it." Suzanne, I want you to find it. Mm-hmm. I want you to find it. And what I would say to you is, the peace that you felt the last six months at Sandals is just—it's the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. of what God has for you. And um, and we have a group of, of Christians in our church that are LGBTQ, and they are choosing to live a celibate life and support each other. Yeah. And that's important. And I love this group and I'm praying for this group and I'm so proud of them at how brave they are. Yeah, absolutely. Powerful. Well, thank you everyone. Thanks, Pastor Matt. Thank you for, um, for just being bold about that, staying true to that, telling us the truth, even when we may not want to hear what that is. Um, because you watch over our soul. That's what the Bible says. And so he has to say, um, what God's word says, and we we stick to that no matter what. We 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 stick to the word of God. Amen. So Suzanne, we absolutely love you and hope we can meet you and keep coming. Keep yes. keep sitting in the service, keep feeling the presence of God. Yeah, keep Suzanne, you can sit next to word. me. Absolutely. Yeah, Sunday mornings, uh, 9 a.m. at Hunter Park. Sit we right next to me. We love you, Suzanne, and we're so thankful that you sent your question. I think I'm supposed to be looking over here. So thank you, everyone, for these questions. These are amazing. Like Pastor Matt said, we got so many. And so if we didn't get to your question, we apologize, but we will do our best to get to as many of them as we can. Um, and again, if you have something that you want to ask, it could be about a current event. It can be about the sermon. That's really what we're focusing on in this season. Then please send that to move.se forward slash ask, or you can open up the app and it's legit right there. Just press a little button, little doo doo, and it can even be anonymous. If you're embarrassed about it, or you don't want us to say your name, you can, you can make it anonymous. So thanks. You the bomb. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. See you next time. Hey, thanks for checking out the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. The Debrief Podcast is produced by Sandals Church and is a show where Matt Brown answers questions on faith and culture. If you've enjoyed the Debrief and want to help us create more content that helps people grow in their faith and in their journey of being real, I want to invite you to visit donate.sc. Thanks for joining us and God bless.